G'day everyone and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Wrap brought to you by Crowcast of course. A bit of sad news this weekend but uh, you can't win them all so without further ado let's crack straight in shall we? G'day everyone and welcome to the weekend wrap for this round seven uh, versus the Giants. And as usual, I have my Motley crew with me. Welcome, uh, Maka. How are you going? Me and fire all cylinders, mate. Well, let's let's say yes, shall we? Yes. So yes, I'm firing on all cylinders. How about you, Nick? I'm here. Very good. All right. Sort of the opposite, really. <laughs> Firing on I one cylinder. Firing on one cylinder. As usual, welcome to everyone who's joined us on YouTube and also chatting with us on Discord. Don't forget, if you're on Discord, you can join the live studio audience. Put your hand up and have your say. There might be a few people tonight having a bit of a say. A um, little bit quiet in the audience so far, but I'm sure that uh, once we get cracking that people will join, pardon me, and have lots to talk about. Uh, just while I continue to get myself organised here, um, Maka, what do you think of the game on the weekend from a broad sense? Um, well, I think it put us back in our box and it just showed you that we we're a long way away when we play a team that has got class players in it. and. Uh, uh, we, for some reason, we didn't come out, I don't think, as intense as normal, but uh, it may be made to look that way by the class that they had. Um, their, their midfield was outstanding, and we'll go into that later, but um, I, I think they probably had about three goals off before we touched the ball. Um, no, the second half was good in the sense that we at least did not give in. We, we actually played the second half out, and probably I think it was pretty even, but the first half was appalling. Yeah, Nick, what do you reckon? Oh, bloody hell, it was horrible to, to be witnessing that. I mean, it was it was kind of interesting because the way it started off was like, mm, and there was, there was a really strong breeze there. And, and like halfway through that first quarter, I was like, well, I'll kind of wait to see how it goes. But realising that there was a strong breeze, we needed to change up a, a few things in order to get it out of that area and we didn't do it, had me worrying what was going to happen in the second quarter as soon as we got the breeze. And what happened? They get two quick goals. And exactly the same thing was happening. It was like, well, today's going to be a shit day. Mm. Uh, look, I think it was pure and simple. Just a uh, young team getting beaten up by mature bodies and uh, the young team were off the boil and the mature team were uh, champing at the bit to atone for a poor start, and I think that's what it boils down to. <laughs> but we'll get into it a little bit more uh, shortly. But in the meantime, Maka, let's get into your results, shall we? Yep. And it started off with an absolute drubbing 
maca, didn't it? On uh, when was it? Friday night. Um, we had the uh, tags. 2515, 165. Over the Eagles, 8858, a margin of 109. Not much yeah. to say about well, it, really, is it? Well, it was an absolute disgrace, really. For a Friday night to have to sit through uh, absolute rubbish like that, and I know that they they set the fixtures in patches, but um, and this was the last of that particular block, but you know, Blind Freddy could see it was going to be a thrash match, and um, I think you know the patrons were let down very badly. You know, it was Friday night fast rather than a footy footy game. Hundred and nine point drubbing, total mismatch. Um, yeah, look, West Coast that their players aren't fit uh, because of COVID interrupting them or injury interrupting them, and actually made Richard look look, look like a very good team, which they not necessarily are. But uh, uh, look, there's not really much to say about it. But look. You know, the first 11 goals that Richmond got were from just plain ordinary turnovers. Um, from Richmond's point of view, I thought they played short as a midfield and he was outstanding. I'd love to have him on the outside. He's got pace and he delivers the ball beautifully. But uh, um, And the one thing for West Coast, uh, they did discover a good uh, mature age rec- uh, recruit in Greg Clark. He's been playing in the waffle and there was another one that pulled on and same thing playing in the VFL. That time we pulled a really good one out in the snaffle. That's all I've got to say on that one. Right. Very good. Uh, next, we had uh, Geelong and Frio fighting out a very entertaining game and Frio just announcing themselves as the real deal, Macca. 10-9-69, three-point winners over the Geelong 10-6-66. So good yes, win. It really was. And Frio, as you say, are definitely the real deal. Um, to win, the, to beat Geelong down there at Alphabet uh, Stadium, that, that's outstanding. And... Uh, yeah, thank you, AFL, for uh, putting that match on the same time as ours virtually so that I could barely see much of it. Um, I had to watch it. Being a loyalty to my team, I had to watch that get kicked off the park. Well, that would have been a, an outstanding game to watch. I, I saw bits and pieces of it. Um, but Frio, even without Darcy as their main ruckman and Tabina up forward, uh, they were still the better side, and um, they got on top in the third quarter. And, uh, you know, to lead by 17 points at three-quarters time. Uh, Geelong came at them, but they, they hung on, and it was very good to see because I hate Geelong. And Geelong can't win the flag. <laughs> um, let's just say that there was more excitement, I think, in the crowd around us in the last quarter as we were tracking the scores for that game and willing Frio to win. Yeah. Fair comment, Nick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a very good win by Fremantle without Nat Five, by the way. So, you know, all the better. Anyway, uh, and then uh, Hardfort game, 13-13-91 Melbourne over Hawthorne, 11-15-81. Ten points in the end uh, by the Demons, but Hawthorne really acquitting themselves well. They did. They did. I thought they put up a very good showing. Um, I, admittedly, Melbourne had probably about three or four players that would normally be in the side, but uh, they, they still had uh, outstanding players in Gordon Oliver. I mean, how would you love to have a Gorn? This monster yeah, mountain. Who, oh, God, is he good? And uh, Oliver just, you know, hard nut just keeps getting the ball. But, uh, uh, you know, in fairness to Hawthorne, they were five goals down at three-quarter time and they got within 10 points at the end. They never gave in and against a very, very good side. So, um, 
Melbourne, they'd be happy. They've got another win and uh, still the Premiership favourites. As far as Hawthorne gone, uh, Hawthorne go, sorry, they'd have to be pretty well satisfied with their game. Uh, Sissy's playing outstanding for them in defence and uh, they've got a couple of young boys coming along, so uh, they've got a future. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, Mitchell uh, looking the good so far in his uh, short tenure. Um, next, um, look, it was a weird game to watch, but in the end it was actually quite entertaining. Uh, the finish was definitely entertaining. Um, Port Adelaide getting up by a point five thirteen forty three to St Kilda 4.18.42 in the dewy, muggy conditions up there in Cairns. And I think St Kilda kicked about one goal 13 to finish the game and lost by a point. Yeah, that's a good summary. Um, we've played out in the scrub. It was a scrub of a game. Um, I mean, the conditions were horrible uh, for AFL football, and I don't... I. I absolutely hate the fact that the AFL allow clubs to sell games and go and play um, at second-rate grounds like that. The lighting was terrible. The standard of football was horrible because of the conditions. Um, so, you know, St Kilda should have won the game, and as you said, Pont rightly pointed out, after half-time, actually, they kicked one twelve, thirteen 13 shots. Port kicked four goal, nine, 13 shots, and they yeah. and got up by a point. So, um, yeah. Uh, you know, they might have got themselves three or four hundred grand in the bank, but I think they blew themselves four points. I think you're right, Mac. Um, they uh, really should have won that game. They missed some easy shots uh, during the course of the game and they should have got up. But anyway, disappointing to see the power got up. And you were absolutely right, Mac, last week when we talked about this game. You said the Saints always played poo in cans. Yep. I don't know why they go there. Well, they go there to... Uh, um, Money. Yeah, well, they go there to sell it, and um, unfortunately, well, it comes back to bite them. They're actually selling four points at the same time. Well, and that's the problem, isn't it? That's the problem that you get. It's a situation where you're really putting your season, your your ability to to play finals and all the rest of it, you're putting it on on the line. Is it worth yeah. it? Is it worth? I don't it? think. I don't um, well, obviously they have trouble balancing their budget, so they do it. Well, and that's what—that's the bottom line, I guess. Um, and it's—it's it's a shame, um, you know. Would the—I mean, it would have been a completely different uh, game at Marvel Stadium, utterly different game at Marvel Stadium. Um, played at Marvel Stadium, yeah, I reckon the Saints would have won by about six to eight goals. Oh, it's hard to say that, Mac. It's hard to say that, but. At least they would have been playing on familiar ground and, um, you know, uh, the the chances are improved. You're playing at home, your chances are improved. It's as simple as that. So, uh, yeah, I don't know whether it's worth it for these folks. Anyway, move on. Um, we had Carlton getting up comfortably by 50 points over North. Carlton 17-11-114 to North Melbourne 10-4-64. 50 points there. Yeah, unfortunately, you saw flashes of this game. Um, North hung in there till half time, being only eight points down. But you know they just couldn't keep the the floods out. Cripps, uh, Sard, Doherty, uh, they were all very, very good, and uh, they just kept. And in the second half, it was I think it was nine seven to three one, something like that, and uh, totally dominated by Carlton. They they had a, they won the midfield and. Uh, 
up forward they had uh, twin towers um, in um, Mackay and Kurnow. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, Larky could be in trouble. There was a strange incident where the ball was kicked forward and I think that boy was calling it back for a free. And then what got into Larky, he decided to tumble the bloke that was going to mark the ball and just sort of belted him and took his legs out from underneath him. I think he's going to get a bit of a suspension. I don't really know what he was trying to do there, to be honest with you. Well, you could only be trying to do one thing, take him out. It was just a, an odd thing to do. It was odd. Very weird. Now, just uh, just letting people know, I'm having a little bit of trouble with uh, the Discord chat tonight. It's not coming through on the stream, so I don't know whether I'll be able to fix it, but uh, I'll, as I get opportunities throughout the course of the cast, I'll have a crack at it. But uh, in the meantime, uh, unfortunately, um, Discord and YouTube aren't integrating tonight. Anyway, moving on. Um, Collingwood, uh, 25 points over the Suns in the end, 17-13, Didn't see this game at all, Mac. No, I watched this game. Uh, it was a battle of the also ends. Um, uh, Collingwood won the first quarter by 26 points, and after that, it's pretty even because they won by 25. I mean, not much else to say about it. Uh, Cripps was outstanding. Uh, had a very good game. Um, Pete Miller was... Pete Miller and Anderson for the Gold Coast. I don't, they've got the courage to keep on playing well every week. Um, but, uh, no, nah, not, 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 I must mention Lucasius. He played on a wing. And he, uh, I think, got 11 touches. And Rankin got 11 touches, no score. I don't know whether these blokes are worth following. And, you know, there's all this talk about getting them at the end of the contract year. I really don't think they're worth worrying about. And, well, I mean, we've said, it every, we've said it every week. Matt, we probably don't even need to say it anymore. I don't think either of those two boys would be on our radar, to be honest with you. Um, Lukosius, maybe, but uh, the word that I've got is that he's port-bound if he's coming home. Um, but uh, haven't the Gold Coast been burnt by that couple of years of first-round picks? Um, you know, uh, Roland Anderson, Yeah, they were unfortunate with... Uh, well, of course, Rao. with his row with his injury, um, but uh, and then Lukosius and Rankin um, really being duds, really very unfortunate for them. Yeah. Never mind. Uh, all right, uh, the Bulldogs sixteen seven one oh three thirty two point winners over Essendon ten eleven seventy one. Yeah, it was a good game to watch actually. A really good standard. Um, uh, pretty even first quarter. And, um, only 14 points and a half time, but, you know, the class of the, the Bulldogs, uh, they just sort of kicked away in a winning margin in the third quarter. Um, they had a mid-mature-age um, recruit called McComb. I thought he played very, very well, and he's the one that got out of the VFL in the one of those drafts last year, like pre-season or mid-season, not sure which one. Um, but, you know, they've got McRae, Smith, Duncan, who was absolutely outstanding. And, uh, well, for Essendon, Draper, I thought he won the ruck. And, uh, yeah, Martin's, Martin's a very good young lad for them. And Merritt, of course, is always a good player. But, yeah. Tell you uh, what, Draper is one that you'd want. <laughs> if you're talking. Very, very he's very promising, him. isn't he? Yeah, I love yeah. him. I reckon he's great. 
And when he did a good job, he kept uh, Norton down to no no goals. Uh, yeah. Um, overall, just the class of Bulldogs and Essendon, they are amongst the also branders like us. Well, they're in a bit of strife, I think, Essendon. Their, their list is all over the place, in my opinion. Um, they've got gaps everywhere. It's going to take Rutten a while if he uh, maintains the patience of the board to rebuild that club and rebuild that list, I think. Yeah, I think they've gone definitely gone backwards, though, this year. Yeah, which is surprising, really. We all expected them just to keep pushing forward, but um, through one reason or another, they've just uh, fallen in a ditch. Never mind. Um, Sydney, 13-11-89, not good enough for the Lions. 17-11-113, 24 points to the Lions there. Uh, that's a solid win for Brisbane um, in Sydney. Definitely is, because they haven't won there for 13 years before that, mate. So yep. um, uh, they'd have to... I think they're, they're just showing they are the second-best team in the comp, and uh, you never know. On the day, they might be the best. Um, I think they're, they're the real challenger to Melbourne at this stage. Um, Lockie Neal really found form with 37 disposals. Um, yeah. It was battle of the midfield. Uh, Mills did very well on 30 and Parker 33 disposals. But yeah. he... he, he he got five goals very quickly in the second half. Yeah. But, uh, no, Brisbane just too good. And uh, overall, uh, Danaher did a shoulder in, which might be, I don't know how well bad it was, but that may affect them later. But, yeah, okay. definitely the Dara think they're the second best team. Sydney, uh, they played well, but uh, Brisbane, they are a good side. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. So that brings us to the ladder, Mac. And... Uh, uh, we've got a full round here, so we can talk about the ladder. Um, Melbourne on 28 points, one game clear of Brisbane and Fremantle, both on 24. St Kilda, Sydney and Carlton on 20. Geelong on 16, along with Collingwood. That's the eight. Uh, Richmond and the Bulldogs, along with Hawthorne and Adelaide on 12 points. Port, Gold Coast and the Giants on eight. Essendon, North and West Coast on four points. To me, that ladder is just starting to take shape after seven rounds now. Just starting to see, um, I think, uh, probably 1 to 11 uh, possibilities for the finals. Uh, I don't put us in with a chance um, for a couple of reasons. I think we've got a rough stretch, stretch which will drop us back down again. But secondly, our, our percentage isn't great as well. So we're last on that current 12-point train. So... It looks to me to be a battle of 11. Uh, you know, Port would, would lay claim and so would Giants, I guess, but I, that could be a bit bridge too far for them. Yeah, I think really some scribes said that round seven is a very significant round because it gives you a pretty idea who's going to be good and who's not, not going to be so good. Um, yeah. And that sort of supports what you're saying, but uh, I suppose you can't rule Port out yet because they've got some reasonable games coming up. Um, but... No, I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't change too much. Yeah, well, I mean, Porter got Western Bulldogs next week. That's not going to be an easy one at all. Um, so uh, they, they've got a bit of work to do yet. Um, I always look at percentage, and I see Richmond there, even though they're out of the eight, they're on a healthy percentage. Carlton looked the vulnerable one at this stage, um, albeit in the eight. Um, they're a bit up and down at the moment. They got us next week. That could go either way. Um, so it's an interesting stage, but to me it looks like a race of 11 at this stage, Mac. Yep, I think you're totally right. 
All right. Yeah, just, just, on, oh, just on the Richmond percentage, though, they did kind of gain, what is it, something ridiculous, like 20 points just from playing West Coast. That's true. And everyone's going to get a free hit with West Coast, at least for the foreseeable future. Yep. Um, they are in all sorts, West Coast. Terrible. In all sorts. Um, never we, mind. We actually turned the football off. I it couldn't watch it. It was that horrible a game. I, I couldn't yeah. watch it. It was... Um, it wasn't even a it, it wasn't a fair fight. It just wasn't a fair Sorry. fight. And my, my sister came down. She was like, "Why are you yelling so much at the football?" And it's like, "Well, because West Coast are really bad and the umpires are worse." It's <laughs> like we just can't stand this. Well, the worst thing We're of like, all is Kane Corns. Kane Corns having a rip at West Coast for being unfit. Has he been living under a rock? I mean, that club has been absolutely destroyed with COVID and whatnot. And yeah. They're all behind the eight ball. You know, having a crack at Elliot Yeo, who's played for five minutes in the last two years. And, I mean, talk about just trying to get a get a rise out of someone, but um, just shows himself as being uh, uh, without any sort of uh, ability to logic, unfortunately. Did you see him on the telly this morning? He's, he's bleeding Not this his morning, hair block. Ah, because because he got... Made to look like an idiot by that young Collingwood lad. I think that was that's what it's all about. But he, he just looked like a dickhead. Oh, it's just. I mean, <laughs> at least his old man tried to be, you know, um, not feral. <laughs> you know, Cornsy at least tried to. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know. That family is bizarre. Anyway, look, why don't we get on to our game? Uh, as mentioned before, Adelaide, 8 6 um, 59-point losers to the Giants, 17-11-113. Um, and it was over very, very early in proceedings. Um, the Crows came out looking a little sluggish and the Giants came out breathing fire. And uh, that combination, uh, plus the disparity in just maturity in terms of body size um, and our lack of speed in the midfield, uh, just, it was done. It was done very quickly and we're lucky to have the score as close as it was really because it was uh, the fourth quarter that um, kind of got us back into any sort of less embarrassing scoreline because uh, they pretty much went home giants. Yeah, in my opinion, though, Fane, the Giants should have been playing in the path much better than they have been because uh, in their in their lineup they had uh, eleven players in their side, which is half their side, which were pick twelve or under in the draft. So you know they've got class right throughout that side, and uh, they have until they met us, they had been un- uh, underperforming. And uh, uh, this week um, they. Kelly was outstanding in the middle, got them going, and then they all started to join in. And uh, uh, Green came back, and he, got, you know, he found form. And you know, as I said, they had they've got stars right throughout their team, and and they all clicked. And we are a mob of battlers, and uh, that got shown up. Oh, no doubt, Matt. Uh, no doubt at all. Um, I, I won't um, begrudge you any of that. Um, you know, it was our. Oh, was our expectations a little bit high? Uh, I don't know. Um, you Not know. necessarily on form, but because, but as I said, GWS have been totally underperforming for the talent they've got. 
Well, that's very true. And look, there's still there's still a ton of talent in that side, a ton of talent around the midfield. Taranto and Kelly, etc. Uh, Kelly's been terribly out of form, but uh, Callum Ward, you know those blokes. Uh, you know it's uh, it, it's a cast of thousands. There. I think I think someone put up a comment in um, in Big Footy that apart from two of our players, all of their first eighteen uh, were taken in the draft above our team. Apart from two of our players, <laughs> that'd be, no doubt. how's that? Right. How's that? That's amazing. I mean, and that—that's—that's yeah. that's the reality. That is the reality. Well, as I said, you know they've got they've eleven players at the pick twelve or under, and um, they turned it on. And um, I'll say it was interesting though; it exposed some of our players who we thought. We're going all right, and under the type of pressure that uh, was put on them, I thought they. And we'll talk about those later. I'm not going to st- uh, ruin the show, please. Um, that they, <laughs> Very good. No, but I, well done. Yeah, but I thought that they uh, they showed that uh, they aren't as good as we thought they were, and they also let themselves down and their image down. Who Adelaide? Certain players. Uh, name them. Well, Lockie Shoal. Lockie Shoal is very talented, but I'll tell you what, he looked very squibbish in for one. And Billy Frampton, who I said had arrived last week, well, he didn't really. It was just a visit. He went back to the old Frampton. We all knew that was going to happen. We knew that was going to happen. Yeah, but they are two in particular that really stood out. Um, I should also say that the coaches didn't get a lot of credit from me either. Uh, I think they, they started brown on green, and I thought to myself, this is not going to work. That was a silly. That was The, the match-ups down back looked silly to start off with. Um, yeah. Having Frampton covering uh, Jesse Hogan, and, and I think... Giants were very proactive in trying to work that match up. But even so, um, we should have just made sure. Because from what it seemed to me, as soon as um, like whoever was on butts got him out of there. So they pulled butts high the whole time and um, uh, left Billy exposed. And this is what I said a couple of weeks ago, Mac. Um, the test for Billy was going to be when uh, an opposition team channeled their forward entries through him, and they did. Very good summary, Ben. That's exactly what they did because it, I can see Brampton looking around many times. Where's my help? Where's my help? Because he he shit himself because he's the only one there. And um, that's right. And yeah, he got monstered. He did, mate. I he mean- did. Year, years gone by, brown on green, perfect matchup, but not the brown of this year. Absolutely not the brown of this year. And that change should have been made halfway through the first quarter. And it didn't get made. Well, I don't think it shouldn't have been tried. Yeah, true. To, to me, he's the, he was they, they were going on past where he has beaten him. And whilst Brown had a good game last week, it wasn't. And yes, um, those players that 
you know, who we played against last week, oh, you know, they're quite skilled and everything else. They're not Toby Green. Toby he's Green a, is, he's he, a very unique player to match up on. Good there. Yeah, good description, Nick. He, he is unique and it takes a pretty pretty smart player to play on him. And uh, and also one that's got a little bit of pace as well because Green, Green's got, he's got great ability to get on his own and uh, if he's... Or even if you're right just next to him, he's got such skill to get out of it. Um, Brown is never going to be able to hold him, never. Well, the problem is, to my way of thinking, the person that should have been on Toby Green is our best defender and so-called next captain, Tom Diday, to be honest with you. That's who I thought should have been on Toby Green to start off with. Yeah. Doday would have been okay. Smith would have been okay. No, Smith's um, too light. Smith isn't a good one-on-one defender, mate. Yeah. Okay. Well, I may be wrong on that, but um, certainly I was surprised about Brown not being the man. It it, it shouldn't. It wasn't Brown's matchup. It really wasn't. Um, I was surprised they went with Brown. I really was. I didn't understand um, why they went there. Um, but uh, anyway, um, the other ma- uh, look, and I don't, I don't want to bag Billy because uh, he's been going well, and um, you know, um, good luck to him. But he got absolutely destroyed. He lost his You can see him actually losing his confidence as the game was going on. Fee. Mm-hmm. He. he- he got actually the first interception of the day. Um, came down there and he came flying in and took a che- uh, mark on his chest and uh, all looked good. And I thought, yeah, yeah. he yeah, was playing in, playing in front. Beautiful intercept. Yep. The other problem we had with that backline was Butts was so fumbly, absolutely just could not pick the ball up at all. And normally he's so quick; it's like he can pick the ball up the ground and there's a quick dish of the the hands out. And that's what slowed us up. You could just see the whole that spread across the whole team. They just did not cope with the pressure that was applied to them. And it's like, but that's what you did to the Bulldogs. You pressured them. That's what we started to see that this seemed to be what the team was trying to implement, that to make it was to be difficult. We were supposed to be difficult to play against. We just got bullied by another team and they didn't cope at all. Yeah, that's true, Nick. And and was it and started in the midfield? Uh, I mean, you look at that midfielder there, and I'd love to have that midfielder. If it's, any team that's got that midfielder, it's got a great big start because there's, there's a, actually they're all different varieties of players too. When you look at Kelly, which who is almost an artist when he's at his best, and he was at his best. Um, and then you got Canelio, which can, he can do it uh, clever or hard. Uh, Taranto can do it clever or hard. Um, they actually um, men coming through there as well, and he he had thirty three possessions. Um, they've just got such a variety of players that went through there. Too much quality. Too much quality. Um, what does it say about our midfield? Does it show up our midfield? Uh, because what I didn't see was how we were playing the last couple of weeks where we were able to crowd up that centre center third of the ground, uh, arc to arc. Uh, we didn't seem to be able to cover that at all um, this time around. We had Lockie Murphy and, and uh, Ned McHenry out of position constantly. 
um, and we didn't seem to be able to get numbers through there uh, for whatever reason, um, and it exposed our midfield. Um, they tore us up on the outside. They Their ability to get the ball to their outlet player um, with ease, um, even they didn't kill us on... Um, on um, uh, clearance stats, um, and we'll have a look at those in a minute. But uh, their ability to get clean possession out of those clearances was uh, was first rate, and we didn't cope with that on the outside. No, well, they, they were sucking us in. We went back to the bad habits of, oh, we need to get the ball. So two of the players would come in, and they waited patiently. So that then freed up the player on the outside, and then they'd use it. So many times, just sitting there at the ground, you were just watching it go, and I could predict exactly where the ball was going to go next. So look, it's that player, then it's going to go that player and that player. And there's our players jogging along behind them. Or they've gone to man up the wrong player. It's like, I can see, get on him. It was so frustrating in the crowd because you could just see it about to happen. It was so obvious. Yeah, just to, just on the clearances from the centre thing, none of ours were of any quality because we... Well, for the match, we took one mark inside 50, the forward 50, and that came in the last quarter. Correct. One. Which it, and I can't remember any game seeing any other team in, in that situation. One bloody mark in the forward 50 for the game. Correct, Maka. Exactly what it was. So they can't have been very, very damaging clearances, whereas... You know, so many times that GWS burst from the centre and just put it on somebody's chest. Well, and that's my point. The, my point is that our, our our work out of the middle was uh, was not clean at all. They were scrub kicks. Um, there was no method to it. There was no speed to it. There was no getting the ball on the outside. All of our clear, all of our kicks forward were out of congestion, whereas a lot of the kicks forward from uh, GWS were in the clear, having had a chain of two or three handballs. Uh, the amount of times that the ball goes back out the contest uh, and Riley O'Brien becomes a second link in the chain because all our midfielders are out of position um, and it just bogs everything down. There's no speed through there. If Riley, Riley O'Brien is getting the second possession out of, out of a, a contest, something's not working, in my opinion. Anyway, let's look at some head-to-head stats, and I've got a little bit of a different format here today, so please bear with me, Um, but we will try to make it work as much as possible, and I thought rather than go through the teams and then the individuals, we'd probably do them both at the same time. Macker and Nikki, what do you reckon, just to save a bit of time and not make it so boring? Uh, so disposals, uh, that's the obvious uh, disparity. We were minus 51 in disposals, Macca. 398, the Giants, 347, Adelaide. Um, and you can see there, if you've got access to the screen, the quarter-by-quarter quarter differential there. We were 76 to 105 in the first quarter, 76 to 113 in the second quarter, 90 to 113 in the third quarter, and we ended up winning the last quarter, 105-67, because GWS got an early flight. But they are massive. <laughs> That's a massive disparity. Minus 51, minus 51 disposals, winning the last quarter by 38. So at three-quarter time, we were down 89 disposals in three-quarters of football, Macca. Yeah, well... They certainly had the ball a lot more than us, and um, 
Yeah, we chase bums most of the day. What? But that's it's more than that deserves more of a comment, Mac, because it, well, it's, a lot of it, it comes back to ability and effort, thing, in the sense that um, I think that in terms of ability, we didn't have as much ability as I had, um, but then I also thought we had a couple of weak spots which let us down, and um, and therefore. You, we couldn't possibly get the ball as much as them. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, let's have a look at our leading possession getters. Uh, our leading possession getters, Rory Laird had 35. Uh, yeah, disposals getters. Anyway, Rory Laird, 35. Benny Keys 27. Geordie Dawson, 24, along with Matt Crouch. Tom did a 20. O'Brien got 18 touches. Smithers got 17 before he was knocked out. Hately 17, Walker 16, um, but there were some notables. McHenry only got seven. Um, Joshua Shelley uh, maybe just needs a little bit of a break on 11. Murphy 12, not enough. Uh, Lockie Scholl 13, off a win, probably not enough either. Um, so there were a few notables there. Um, but then when you have a look at the Giants' disposal winners, um, you know, Kelly got 40 touches, Cumming got 33, um, Green, Taranto, Ashall 23, Ward 21. You know, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight um, players with plus 20 numbers. Uh, we had four players, uh, sorry, five players with plus 20 numbers. One of those a defender, or uh, two of those a defender. Yeah, and plus the, plus the, uh, the usage factor of it as well, Fane. Well, that's it. If we have a look at effective disposals, Maka, um, Giants 300 effective disposals to Adelaide 264. And again, the disparity is the same. In the first quarter, we only had 54 effective disposals in the first quarter uh, to the 86. Up. You're breaking up a bit there, mate. Okay, we'll just uh, give that a deep. How's that? Is that better? No. That's still no good. That's good. All right. Um, so effective disposals were minus 36. Mac no. ended. No good again. How's that sounding to everyone else? Is that uh, Mac's problem or is everyone hearing me go robotic? No, I, I, I hear you as well. And they're saying in the chat that, yeah, you're crackly to them. Crackly to them as well. Um, how, how about now? That's, that's all good. good. Vardy Magic thinks you're bubbly. <laughs> uh, thanks for letting me know. Is that better? Yep. Yeah. yeah, all right. So quarter by quarter, um, 54 effective disposals to 86. Uh, second quarter, 52 to 80. Um, it evened up a bit in the third quarter, and then uh, we got on, on top in the last a little bit. But again, our differential in the first half was 106 effective disposals to 166. That's 60 effective disposals. Yeah, we were monstered, absolutely monstered in the first half. I mean, we were so bad in the first quarter, and I thought, okay, at least, thank God, there's a break. We can actually get ourselves and rally at least. I can't see, I, you know, I thought we'd probably done enough damage that's going to make it very difficult to win the game, but let's, let's at least have a real crack at it. The second quarter was just a replica of the first. And uh, I think at half time, uh, they probably just thought themselves, 
Oh, we've got this one in the bag. They may have mentally eased off a little bit because we matched them in the second half in terms of score, um, but not really in terms of ability. Um, and there's there's a couple of things to say about it. They sh really shouldn't be as low on the ladder as they are with all the quarry uh, footballers they've got. And But secondly, it was just their luck that they seem to always pull it out uh, against us and whether that's a reflection on them or a reflection on us or a reflection on both I'm not really sure uh, but um, certainly I, I was trying to pick best players because we always have to do that and there weren't too many to pick from to argue about No not really mate uh, it's slim pickings really um, which is uh, a real shame Um but uh, we'll get to that, mate. <laughs> um, when you have a look at a bloke like um, Matty Crouch, who had how many disposals? Matty Crouch had 24 disposals. His effective disposals was down around the 16. So he wasted eight, you know. Um, Rory Laird had, um, what did he have? He had uh, 35 exp uh, effective, uh, sorry, 35 disposals uh, effective with 30. So... He wasn't too bad, but we wasted a lot, unfortunately. Um, and, uh, yeah. Uh, whoops. All right, so what else can we have a look at? Let's have a look at the clearances. Um, clearances, uh, we had um, only a minus five disparity, but you can see there that only really evened up again in the last quarter. We had the Giants 45 clearances to Adelaide 40. Um, and again, clearances were um, eighty. Uh, what's that? One hundred and sixty-six. I oh, know that hasn't that hasn't updated. It's updated. No, here we go. So yeah, so our clearances. Um, in we actually won the first quarter, twelve to nine, uh, seven to fourteen in the second quarter, eight to fourteen in the third quarter. Then we won the last quarter, thirteen to eight. So you can see it was the middle part of the ground, uh, middle part of the game, Mac and Nikki, where uh, particularly in that third quarter, where they just absolutely destroyed us, um, that uh, the disparity occurred. Yeah, we at times we just looked like witches' hats uh, out there, and um, it was very disappointing when uh, you go into a game, perhaps a little bit of tre uh, trepidation, but. Also, with a lot of expectation that if, even if we get beat, we're going to make uh, a real deal of it and give a hundred percent and make it very hard for them. And I don't think we did that. I mean, I know they've got class, and I know they had a big monster in Proust in the middle that was giving them a lot of the first use of the ball, um, and of course, they had Kelly as well. But um, we still had bodies out there on the ground, and I still think that yeah. Somebody said McCabe went missing. We had too many went missing. And uh, uh, I just think that, you know, um, the coach saying we didn't deal with the expectation of being favourable. Well, I actually thought that, that was a cop-out. That is a cop-out. It's not an acceptable comment. It's got um, – when you're playing football, you shouldn't be looking at the betting and who's, who's favourite and who's not favourite. You're going out there to win a game of football. It uh, uh, doesn't matter who you're playing and whether you are the favourite, whether you're not the favourite. Um, you go out there to try and win the game. So that's mm. crap. I don't buy, buy that at all. Yeah. Um, I, I've, 
I, I think he wants to put that down as an aberration. And look, it may well be. They may well have been a little bit heavy-legged after a, a couple of close games. Um, you know, who knows? Um, but I, I didn't feel like that was a that was a, a terribly insightful analysis by Nick's after the game. Um, I didn't feel like it was an expectation thing at all. Um, I felt like it was a, um, a ready-for-the-game thing, to be perfectly honest with you. They didn't look ready to play in that first quarter. Um, and the, it was very obvious because I, I felt like the effort levels in the second quarter, Macca, really picked up. But what happens in, in those situations where you're getting absolutely monstered and you're picking everyone individually picks up their effort level and they have to and they feel like they have to do more. But you lose all your system and your structure when that happens. And this is what Nikki was saying earlier, through the middle part of the game, there were, <coughs> pardon me, the effort was a lot better, but we had absolutely no structure around the contest. Everyone was just see ball, get ball, trying to fix the problem themselves rather than us improving the way we were playing collectively as a team. And that often happens when you get pumped early in a game. Yeah, and I, I think they, they lost the composure thing. And, and as you yep. say, when, when you start facing uh, backsides like they did in the first quarter, you do lose your composure and you do lose um, you know, your, your thoughts of how you're going to play the game. Before you go out there, you have, you have expectations on yourself as well. And uh, I'm sure the expectations they had on themselves going out, each individual going out onto the ground, <laughs> were what actually happened in practice. So it, it does throw you for a loop when that happens, and um, and it's very, very hard for, uh, to get a team back on track when the individuals um, are, are not quite in tune with, them, with their own game. So, um, And that's why generally it takes a break to get everybody back together, but that didn't happen at quarter time. Um, we, it sort of did a little bit after half time, um, but uh, I still just think that uh, we went out there thinking that it was going to be a little bit easier than it really was. 100%. Uh, 100%, Mac. Uh, if we have a look at the, uh, the stoppage clearances, we can see again. We actually won the first quarter 9 to 5, it was 4 to 10 in the second, 6 to 12 in the third, 8 to 5 in the last. And you can see by the match timeline there that. Uh, um, GWS didn't really get in on top in terms of that particular statistic until halfway through the second quarter. But again, they were just so much cleaner um, in the manner in which they were working the ball out of stoppage that they were able to take advantage far more than um, than we were. And you can see there in the timeline, we didn't win a stoppage clearance from the fourth minute until the 20th minute of the second quarter. So we, won, just... the we won the first three... Uh, no, sorry, we won the first two stoppage clearances and then we lost the next, pretty much the next eight or nine and won the last two for the quarter. So through that, <coughs> pardon me, through that middle half of the game, uh, th through that middle half of the quarter, they destroyed us around stoppage. And this is where, this is why I put these stats up because the stats themselves can be misleading. You can look at the, that stat and go, well, you know, we lost the stat by minus five. We lost stoppage clearances by minus five. But when you look at key parts of the game, um, you can see where we flatline. And all through that second quarter, we just flatlined around stoppage. Yeah, I can't argue with any of that, Payne. Um, 
we still, you know, our target for the at the end of this year um, has to be in midfield. I don't, I don't, I don't know where we're going to get it from, or who we're going to get it from, or who it could be. But we really do need a quality midfielder. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they say that the Bulldogs are going to have possibly have uh, a salary cap issue at the end of the year that they're going to not be able to retain all their very good players and. Dunkley's wife is in South Australia, so um, there were vague rumours that perhaps we might be after him. Well, I hope they are, we are after him. I watched him play today. He's an outstanding player. Um, so, um, yeah, we, we just need that quality midfielder. Our, our midfielders are workers. Um, um, if you like, the blue-collar workers uh, trying to be uh, white-collar workers. Oh, most definitely. But we've known that. We've known that for a while. Um, you know, that's that's not news to us. I know it's not news, but we've got to do something about it. Otherwise, um, um, I mean, we, we took Rochelle at uh, six, and I think he's a very good pick at six. But when you come down to essentially what we need uh, in terms of a classy midfielder and, and, and a good size midfielder, um, that's what we really need. Yeah. If you look at contested possessions, again, uh, Benny Keys had 13, Tommy Duday 11, Matt Crouch 10, Roy Laird 10, Tex and Riley O'Brien 8, Sam Berry 7. Um, we lost that stat by 28. Um, and again, if you look at the differentials, you'll see that it's the second and third quarter that, that killed us 33 to 50 in the second quarter. Uh, 23 to 43 in the third quarter so you know whilst we were we were kind of and it's a funny thing because to me the first quarter looked like what the stats say the second quarter looks like and and vice versa but um, contested possession actually um, is quite close in the first quarter but then when you have a look at uncontested possession Mac um, you can see why the uncontested possession in that first quarter, 43-71. to 71. The reason why we were so close in contested possession is because the Giants in that first quarter were just able to get it out to the free side, get it out to the outlet, and so they were able to control the ball more or less uncontested in that first quarter. Well, you can't argue with that. That, that, was, just the, that was the problem. Yep, and the stats bear that out. So uh, people watching on YouTube, you can see the quarter-by-quarter quarter differential here and um, uncontested possessions, 43-71 to 71 in the first quarter, uh, even though contested possessions were close, so 31-35. to 35. So it tells you that we weren't able to get the ball into the clear enough to make use of it properly, uh, whereas that's exactly what the Giants did. And in the second quarter, um, the contested possession rate... Or, uh, 33 to 50 in their favour, and you can see the uncontested possession rate, 44 to 63. So we pulled it back a little bit, but again they were still able to just get a lot of use of it on the outside uh, compared to what we were able to do. Um, yeah, and two of the biggest uh, performers for them uh, doing that were Kelly and Whitfield. Um, I mean Whitfield can kick the ball better on his left foot than any of our players can kick on their natural foot. Um, and uh, I think he kicked three left foot goals. Um, but and Kelly, you know, he just 
if he didn't get the ball himself out in the clear, he just fed it out to somebody out there. And their, their, their disposals were so much better now, so much better. Well, let's have a look at who got the uncontested possessions. I mean, we had Laird on 25, and then we had Josh Kelly, Lucky Ash. Well, Kelly had 23, Ash had 18. Dawson, you'd expect to get a lot of uncontested balls, 17 off halfback. Matty Crouch, surprisingly, 17. Uh, Kennedy and Callahan for them on 16. Benny Keys on 15, and then a whole raft of theirs on 15. Coming Perryman, Lockie Whitfield and Callum Warden. Those four blokes... You give them 15 uncontested possessions, they're going to hurt you. Very much so, and they did. Yep. Uh, What else can we have a look at here? Let's have a look at at hitouts because I actually thought Riley O'Brien got destroyed. Absolutely. Destroyed. If you look at the hitouts in terms of numbers, the disparity isn't that great but they don't reflect what had actually happened in the, in the game in the sense that um, when Bruce was the ruckman, he absolutely monstered him and uh, uh, physically just treated him like a child and most of the time tapped it to one of their players. It was only when he went off the ball and uh, their second ruckman came on that Riley got, got started getting taps. So you're dead right. He got destroyed by Bruce. Well, Riley Bryan got 28 hitouts, but his hitout win percentage was only 33%. So he only won 33% of the hitouts that he contested. And then when you have a look at it at his hitouts to advantage, he only had seven hitouts to advantage. So he can he contested, you know, whatever that was, uh, 50 or 60 uh, or 70 ruck contests. Um, he won 33% of them, but only seven were to advantage. Um, and, and I think that's actually generous to him. Well, possibly. Um, but again, you're looking at a situation where hit outs 5 to 12 against in the first quarter, uh, even in the second, uh, 9 to 11 in the third, and surprisingly he got torched in the last two. Uh, but the problem that I've got there is that I think we're starting to... We're coming up against a lot of teams that are using two rucks. Their second ruck is a genuine ruck. And we're not doing that. We give a chop out with Elliot and uh, Tex in the forward lines, but Riley O'Brien essentially attends every ruck contest apart from that. And I think it's showing because you got Proust on 34 taps and Flynn on 15. So that's 49 to 28. Um, and I don't think Riley, o- I don't think Riley O'Brien is... Um, a good enough ruckman to ruck a whole game, essentially, against two rucks, two genuine rucks. Oh, well, you have to have to agree with you, um, because he doesn't have the he doesn't have artistry uh, for start playing. He doesn't when you when you're playing a midfielder, you talk to you talk to the ruckman, and, and he sort of knows where you're going to be, and. Um, He's not only just going out there to try and touch the ball. He's trying to actually put it down to the, the throat of a player or put it in the path of a player. And um, Ryan O'Brien, I don't know whether he's even thinking that. I suppose he is, but that's not going there because um, your, your figures tell us that. Well, he, he I mean, doesn't and it was... Sorry, Nick, I on. was just going to say that it absolutely proved your statement you've made all along that he just cannot 
compete against any Ruckman that can reach. And their two genuine Rucks they have are both Ruckman who reach and were bigger than him. Spot on, Nick. And I think, actually, if they had have dropped, if they'd looked at those players and gone, well, they're going to play them, and Riley gets beaten by them. Yes, he had a great game last week, but guess what? You know what? I think Strawn needs to come in because Strawn can actually play against Ruckman like that. Well, yeah, I still, he didn't, he didn't, I, I still think that I still think there's room for Himmelberg, O'Brien, or Strawn, and Thilthorpe in our team. Yeah, I maintain that that configuration can work to our advantage because Thilthorpe can genuinely ruck, uh, Strawn can genuinely ruck, and or O'Brien um, for that matter, and Himmelberg can chop out as well. So. A lot of these teams are starting to remember we all thought the Ruckman was dead and and to me there's some teams now that are really starting to put like Gorn and um, what's their second Ruckman name? I can't remember his name. Um, Oh, yeah, the youngster. Um, Jackson? Jackson. Jackson, yep. That's a great combination because Jackson could be first Ruck in most other teams, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, And they they have the luck to him, not only uh, two good Ruckman, but they've both... uh, capable of playing up forward when they rest, they don't have to go off the ground. That's right, that's right. So um, I think I think we've got to have a look at the ruck situation. It's not working at the moment. We're probably asking too much of Riley O'Brien. Um, you know, a, a minus sixteen disparity does not tell the whole story. Um, it's uh, um, just one of those things. And then when you look at Riley O'Brien in terms of his, um, let's have a look. Then we'll find his contested marks. Um, contested marks, where are you, Riley? Um, zero. So we're not getting any anything out of Riley in terms of contested marks. And considering how much we got destroyed by GWS in contested marks. The contested marks situation was uh, a minus 16 com- disparity, 20 to 4, uh, 1 to 5 in the first quarter, none to 8 in the second quarter, 2 to 4 in the third quarter, 1 to 3 in the last quarter. Bruce took four contested marks, three to Hogan, two to Green, two to Harry Hilmerberg, two to Coniglio, for God's sakes, one to Tom Green, one to Tex. Tex and Tex, Geordie and Billy uh, and Brody Smith are the only players that we had that took a contested mark for the game. So um, they, they just destroyed us in terms of contested marking. Um, it's starting to crackle up again, uh, Payne. Yep. How does that look? Yep, that sounds better. So I'm talking about contested marks, Matt, and I'm talking about the disparity there. Yeah, well, look, unfortunately, they're forward line as well, which is one of the reasons why they've kicked so many goals. Um, And, uh, yeah, well, we don't have any, uh, I mean... um, there's not. Then we don't have any. Well, do they? Do they can? 
Um, and he don't have that many contested marks. Well, Elliot Himmelberg didn't take one. No. Not one. Lockie Gallant didn't take one. Uh, who else have we got in there that should be able to take a contested mark? Uh, Duday, none. Dawson took one. Frampton took one. Uh, Tex took one. That's it. Yeah, well, just tell the story. Yeah. But it was um, part of the story. So it means we, we got beaten in the air and on the ground. <laughs> well, that's right. Uh, if we talk about inside 50s real quick, uh, inside 50s were 48 to 54. Uh, but look at that first quarter. Look at that first quarter. 6 to 21 in the first quarter. Yeah, we were monster. Game, game over. Game over. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, 13 to 12 in the second, 13 apiece in the third, 16 to 8 in the fourth. Um, you know, Kelly Taranto had seven inside 50s. Berry had seven for us. Uh, Keys had five for us. And then you had Cumming Green. Pruce had five for them. Grouch, five for us. Smith and Laird Ford for us. Uh, Harry Himmelberg with three. Chase Jones for us with three, which was excellent. Um, so, you know, but when you got their two premier midfielders, Kelly and Taranto, getting 14 inside 50s between them, um, and then, you know, Green and Cumming and Proust getting another 15. <laughs> so, but in the top one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players, in terms of inside 50s, we have two for a total of 12. They have 5, 10, 15... Uh, 29 from five players. 29 inside 50s from five players. Yeah. Tell the story. Yeah. Uh, in terms of marks inside 50, of course, uh, Giants again dominant. We didn't take a mark inside 50, Mac, as you mentioned, until the last quarter. Um, and it, they took six in the first quarter, five in the second, two in the third. Four in the last, and we took three in the last. Uh, Tex, Harry Schoenberg, and Lockie Murphy were the three uh, that took our marks. Uh, Hogan, Green, Coniglio, Himmelberg, dominant up forward for them. Jesse Hogan, seven contested mar- uh, seven marks inside 50, if you don't mind. Uh, poor old Billy. <laughs> yeah, shocker. Absolute stinker. As I say, that... Uh, he started off with that first, but he could just actually see his confidence deteriorating as the game went on, and he started to look like a headless chook by the end of the game. Yeah. Well, I mean, he doesn't know how to position himself, Mac. It's as simple as that. He does not know how to position himself. No, um, he was behind when he should have been in front, and he was in front when he should have been behind, so that he supports that. Um just apart from the bad play, um, it certainly didn't help that with Smith and uh, McHenry both uh, getting concussion. Um, Smith was playing very well, I thought, at the time that he got hurt, and uh, McHenry at least was having a crack um, down forward um, whenever he had a chance. Um, so two at least of the players that I, th- I thought you know can have some influence on the game, they were off. Um, and they won't be there next week. Well, you don't know about McHenry. 
Well, they've said that's what they said on telly tonight, Bane, that he uh, won't be there because they reckon he had concussion. Yeah. Right. So he passed I, the protocol I, at the ground, so he must have had a secondary. Yeah. I'm only going by what they said on telly tonight. And, yeah, okay. And, I didn't I, hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else can we have a look at real quick before we wind it up? Let's have a look at one percenters and pressure acts. And uh, again... We had uh, some. Well, see, this is the thing, Nick. In the second and third quarter, and in the last for that matter, but in the second and third quarter, I felt like we picked it up. But if you look at the quarter-by-quarter quarter differential on one percenters, we're actually even 14 apiece on um, on one percenters. 15 to 14 in the second quarter, 9 to 16 in the third, and 10 to 14 in the last quarter. The problem is that what that stat doesn't tell you, or you have to look at it a bit deeper, you have to look at it in conjunction with the uncontested ball stat. And that's the stat that tells you the story because you can put on 14 pressure acts, but how many times should you have put on a a pressure act and you didn't? Yeah, they they don't keep that stat, but it um, would would have been a very interesting one to keep in our case on Saturday. Yeah. Well, if you have a look at the numbers, um, you know, a bloke like Ned McHenry, three pressure, uh, three one percenters, um, you know, that's very much down on his average. And if we actually have a look at pressure acts, which is on a different graph, Ned had 14 pressure acts, which is apparently different to one percenters, God knows why. Um, you know, so, um, uh, that's a bit down. Um, you know, Luke Brown, only three. Um, hey, I mean, let's talk about Jackson Haightley real quick. Um, what do you think of him? You go, Nikki. you have a crack. He proved absolutely that he is not an AFL-level player. It's, he is a great <laughs> SANFL player. He is not an AFL player. He cannot um, anticipate what's going to happen. Uh, him being on the wing um, and and when he was coming down to do that cover in the back line because that's quite important that we have that winger becomes our extra defender. Um, that green goal in the second quarter. Now, he's from GWS. He knows exactly how they play. He's trained with them. And when Brown missed it, missed him in the pack and he's coming around and he's coming towards Haightley, what does Haightley do? He reaches out with his arm instead of taking a step forward and putting his body in the way to actually try and stop him. He just tries to reach for a tackle. And, I mean, that was just absolutely um, key for the way that he goes about it at that level. He's absolutely outstanding at our SANFL level. But that step up is so stark to the AFL and he just doesn't have it. Well, he won very good, uh, I'll say that. Um, I, I thought we recruited him to be a, a big-bodied midfielder. Did he actually attend a midfield uh, bounce nope. at all? He Not was on one. the wing. That's what I said, not one. But he... We recruited him to be that big-bodied midfielder. So, um, 
I, I was I thought that's exactly what he would be used for in this particular game. And I think we know he's not going to be a wingman, uh, Nicky. Um, he won't crack it because he hasn't got. He hasn't I don't got actually really, think uh, he was playing wing. I think he was playing high half forward actually. Yeah, well, wherever he's playing, but oh, he, was, would, he was lining up on the wing primarily. Well, and only when we got um, the uh, concussion, or the not concussion, but the now possible concussion with McHenry, did we then push him also a bit into the forward line? Yeah, well, when, that, we, when we had to restructure what uh, was I think you, because we I think you'll find we were playing an extra back. Uh, we were playing one wing defensively, and Hately was pushing up onto the wing uh, from half forward. Uh, I mean, look, it doesn't matter. Uh, your, your point is absolutely. Yeah, absolutely right, Macca. Um, he was played out of position the whole the whole game. He had one disposal in the first quarter, two in the second. Uh, he had six in the third and eight in the fourth. So he had fourteen possessions after half time for a total of seventeen. Um, went at a contested possession rate of thirty seven and a half percent. So thirty eight percent of his possessions were contested. Um, you know, his kicking efficiency uh, was at 100%, which is what you want. Um, in terms of his pressure acts, he had 14 pressure acts, which isn't terrible. Um, score launches, didn't wasn't involved in any score. Pardon me, launches whatsoever. Score involvements, um, he had two in the last quarter. So my impression of Jackson is that he lacks intensity. That's what That's what I think. I think he lacks intensity. Yeah, well, whether it be through lack of opportunity or lack of ability, he certainly didn't set the world on fire. There's no doubt about that. Um, but then again, he's got, he actually got, did get 14 positions in the second half and some of them, our players hardly got any. Um, but no, he's not going to be the answer, though. Well... I'm inclined to agree, Macca, but I'm also inclined to say if you want to know what the bloke's going to provide you, you play him for a block of games and you play him in the position that you want him to play in. Um, 100% agree with that. So I don't think we're doing ourselves any favours at the moment um, by playing Jackson out of the middle. He needs to be in the midfield rotations. Simple as that. Um, Well, I mean, that's that's exactly right. I mean, make a judgment on him. Give him two or three games in the middle, and if he can't play, well, if he goes really badly in the first couple, you, you might even wait for that, the third one. But um, uh, he's guaranteed to fail where they're putting him at the moment. Guaranteed to fail. Um, so he, yeah, he, look, we won't know unless they put him there. I don't really think he is going to be a champion anyhow, whether he does get in there or not, um, because what we really need, we need somebody his size, but that can get the ball and have a lot of pace and they're not with them around. They're in other sides, not now. Yeah. You only had three ground ball gets for the game. Um, and when you... Uh, let's have a look at one of their players. Um, so let's have a look at Jake Kelly. Kelly, sorry. Um, anyway. Um, yeah, I... I just feel like we're not we're not actually uh, we're not conducting the right experiment with Jackson. Uh, we need to play him in the midfield rotations. Uh, 
Lockie Scholl, you mentioned him earlier, Macca. Um, yeah. There were two or three, two or three that I really did not like where he absolutely piked. Nikki, what do you reckon? Yeah, there were a couple of instances where he was doing that little sidestep and that just frustrates me because I know he can be better and I've seen him be better and I've seen him be tougher. And he's just, there's something this year, he's just taken those short steps. Yeah. We're not, we're not arguing about his talent. We're arguing about his uh, endeavour and we're arguing about uh, his ability to put his body on the line. And if one player shows he's not prepared to put his body on the line, that that can become a little bit of a epidemic in the team that uh well others... it's also it's also a red rate to the ball uh, to the ball of the opposition as well yeah. um opposition yeah. see to put in some short steps and uh you know they get their tails up um i'm a bit disappointed in Lockie, but again i feel like he need, I, I feel like he um I don't know whether he actually suits the modern game in terms of what a wingman looks like these days because a, a lot of good midfield transition players are strong and fast and tough. Um, yeah. You know, and Lockie is an outside player all the way. And I don't know whether there's much room for pure outside players anymore. I mean, we all... We all um, look at Geordie Dawson as a quote-unquote outside player in terms of being able to get the ball and deliver. But he goes and gets his own agate too and he go, he contests marks and he lays tackles and all the rest of it. And um, that's the modern uh, outside player, if you like. The, the, a player that is good on the outside with ball in hand but can, can, uh, can go when he needs to. Lockie has got some deficiencies to work on in that regard, I, I, I believe. And, and what gets me and why I'm disappointed in him is because in his first year, we saw him doing that. We know he's got that ability to yeah, do it. Yeah, but he copped a hit last year, yeah. if I remember rightly. And he, he hasn't been the same one. since. No. On the and money, mate. On the money. So I'm not absolutely slagging him yet um i understand that that could be part of it but he's got to work his way through it because otherwise you're absolutely correct that's not a modern wingman but we know we've seen in the past he can do it and i think that's what annoys us well then he needs to spend some time in the twos recapturing that um because, uh, again, teams will play through his player if he's not physically up to it. Uh, we saw it with Billy. We saw it with Lockie. Um, you know, opposition coaches will pick that up very quickly and go, all right, there's our avenue, and they will go through him. He has got, if he wants an AFL career, he's going to have to go back to the twos and he's going to have to work on it. We've got a couple of blokes in the twos that have been playing really well. Um, who deserve a spot. I think Harry um, showed a, a bit when he came on, uh, Harry Schoenberg. I thought he was uh, quite good. He had um, 
seven disposals in the time that he was on the ground, which is basically on for Smithers, so halfway through the third quarter there. Um, so he certainly didn't uh, lower his colours when he came on, so I think he will stay in the team. Uh, we've got Will Hamill, who's been playing a right in the twos. We've got Josh Worrell, who's been knocking the door down in the twos. Uh, one or two others that have been putting the hand up as well. Um, we can't carry Lockie Scholl. We need to um, give him a spell, I think, and allow him to get some confidence back going at some contested ball. Yeah, one thing I think is disappointing that um, I was hoping that Luke Pedler would have had a ripper in the twos uh, this week, but he didn't. He only had the 13 disposals, which uh, is disappointing because I think he needs to be come on. He's got, he has got the, the talents and the abilities and he's got a bit better size, etc. cetera. Um, and if we could get him going playing at his best, he would be an asset to the side. But at the moment, uh, it's as they say in the chat, he's not ready. Yeah, uh, interesting comment from Surfsauce about Millera because he was talked up in the uh, in the post match review. I think he got eighteen touches or something, and um, uh, the coach was uh, quite effusive about him. So, um, be interested to see what other sort of his game that saw him play. Um, I didn't see the twos match today. Um, <clears throat> see the the one the one thing with Pedler though is one of the couple of games that I've watched him in the SNFL is yeah he doesn't get a lot of possessions but every time he gets a possession he does something really good with it they they're always so effective so sometimes do you want a thirty three possession Matt Crouch game or do you want a thirteen possession Pedler game where the majority of those actually are possibly going to result in a score. Yeah. yeah, but 13 in the snaffle doesn't tra- translate to 13 in the AFL, Nick. You need, you need to be knocking out 25, 30, so you can, then you can start thinking you'll get 15 in the AFL. There you go. Yeah, we, we never know if we don't <laughs> bloody put him in the midfield, though. Well, yeah. he, he, he's had a couple of goes and he... Um, Not in the midfield. He hasn't played in the midfield, Macca. No, he hasn't. But, he's played um, in a bloody forward pocket. Oh, that was disgraceful! I didn't oh, care. Man, that so you can't ju- well, you can't judge him. He hasn't played in the midfield. No, I didn't judge him on that particular game. I'm talking about his form in the SAFL this year. He hasn't. He talking. hasn't played. He's been playing up forward in the snaffle too, the majority of the time. I thought he was. I thought he played on ball last week. He played on ball last week, but the majority of the time he's been playing up forward. Because uh, he, he had got a lot of possessions last week, but yeah. so only 13 this week. Yeah, like I said, the majority of his season has been played up forward. Uh, As Patrick up, says in the, chat, in the chat, working on his forward craft, which is exactly what the coaches told him to do. Play up forward, work on your forward craft, which just blows my mind, but anyway. And the other thing too is that, let's um, say in the chat, at least he's tanked a little bit in question at this stage and because he's had fitness problems. And, yeah, no, I agree mm. with that. And, yeah, and injuries to come back from. So they've had to ease him in. Mm. Yeah. Um, Sam well, Berry, I just hope by, I, I going to hope by the second half of the season that he, you know, he's fit enough and good enough to get into the, into the team. Because yeah. I have a good opinion of him. Yeah. Um, Sam Berry, I just want to talk about quickly because I, f- I felt that in the first 
quarter when the wits were cracking, he was our only midfielder that was actually putting in or or at the contest. He had six disposals in the first, uh, two in the second, four in the third, and three in the last <clears throat> for 15 touches. Um, I just felt like... Uh, like what you see is what you get with Sam Berry. I don't think he's ever going to win a Brownlow medal. He's not that type of player. Um, but he doesn't need to be that type of player, in my opinion. Um, he He's able to stay in the contest. Uh, he doesn't get knocked off the ball very easily. And he's not as slow as you think he is. Um, you know, he's not ultra quick. He's going to get burnt by the speedsters. But in terms of his first couple of steps in the contest, he's quite all right. Um, so as I mentioned, um, 15 disposals at 46.7 contested possession rate isn't terrible, uh, by Sam. And, uh, I certainly thought in the first quarter, he was probably our best midfielder. Yeah. He is, uh, probably is as courageous as anybody in the side. He really is. He's tough, tough as a cat's head. And, um, I really do like Barry and, you know, I think his performance, uh, given that he was uh, kind of brave to uh, beaten ruts and against classy uh, players, I think he did he did okay. Um, one thing about that, where you talk about you know not being pushed off the ball in the contest, but what he's also very good at is he's actually a natural footballer, and in such in a contest like that, that he's able to push away and get those those two to three steps to create some space for himself so he can actually dispose of the ball not under a lot of pressure, which is where Lev and Keys were just doing those blind big dolly kicks because as soon as they got the ball, they, they generally had to, to kick it. Whereas I contrasted with the work that Barry was doing, that he was creating space for himself to actually settle and, and do a good disposal um, out of it. And, I found that really impressive. Yeah, he can get separation. Um, I, a lot of the people in the chat saying that he's uh, a number two waiting, waiting for a number one. I wouldn't disagree with that necessarily. I still have hopes that uh, Pedler, Schoenberg and Berry are going to be our long-term answers in the middle. Um, you know, And we're going to have to wait and see on that, of course. Um, but uh, when you compare his inside work to the next player I want to talk about, Matt Crouch. It's like chalk and cheese. And Matt Crouch has won a bloody club championship. He's just not a natural footballer. Oh, he's a natural Absolutely footballer. He's not... just as slow uh... as treacle. No. No, he does no, he doesn't anticipate. He no, doesn't he... he actually reacts after the after things have happened. Um, there were a couple of instances in the games where you could kind of see where the ball was going to go or what the player was going to do that he was, you know, trying to curtail. And he just kind of looks at them and thinks about it for a bit before anything happens. Or or if he's a natural footballer, it, it takes a while for the brain message to get to the rest of his body to tell him what to do. Yeah, I think that's more like it, Nicky, because he, he, he wouldn't get the ball as often as he as he does if he if he didn't wasn't a natural footballer, but you can can have players that can get the ball a lot and not do much with it. And uh, sadly, that he fits that description. Um, he either takes too long, um, or he does an unnecessary hand pass, uh, 
he's not he's not a he's not one that hurts you. He just won't hurt you. Not like uh, we were looking at the GWS midfielders hurting, and you know, Crouch got a reasonable amount of the ball, but it just doesn't hurt you. Well, he got 24 touches, um, and he also got touches in the first and second quarter. He got 10 touches in the first half and uh, 14 in the second half. Um, you know, went at a 37% contested possession rate, so he got a little bit on the outside. The problem is he's no value at all when he gets the ball on the outside of the contest. So I think we mm. counted before that he had, uh, let's have a look, I think he had 15 uncontested possessions. Um, let's have a look here. 17 uncontested possessions. And uh, they're the ones that were generally absolutely useless. When you compare someone like Josh Kelly getting 17 uncontested possessions over Matt Crouch getting 17 un- uncontested possessions, you know who's going to get better value out of the. <laughs> Out of those disposals, you know what I mean? You got about a six or seven goal difference there, Fee. Well, and that's the problem. That it, Matt is nothing but an inside workhorse, and we found Sam Berry and Rory Laird doing more of the coal face work, and Matt Crouch finding himself second or third in the chain, and he's of absolute no value at all. I, I don't know what quarter it was, the quarter that he got run down where he got given a handball. Um, and uh, just seemed to have no spatial awareness whatsoever and just got just got towed up. And someone in the chat said, why do we handball it to Crouch? And I said, well, because when he got the ball, he was three metres in the clear. It was a legitimate handball to a player in the clear. You would expect a midfielder three metres separated from his opponent to be able to, you know, keep that separation and, and dispose of it properly. Matty, no idea whatsoever. Um, so he's absolutely worthless outside of the contest. His only value is his possession rate, and that's only valuable if 75% of his ball is contested inside the contest. <coughs> the other thing that I notice is that he doesn't read taps very well at all. Sam Berry's read taps much better than Matt Crouch um, from both Bruce and Riley O'Brien. Um, Matt Crouch does not read the taps very well at all. Um, he's a go-to player at the back of the contest. He's the bailout, you know, at the back defensively. <clears throat> he's got no hurt factor. And, you know, it's a, it's a real shame because obviously he's been hurt by injury and that slowed him down. But I also think he's a he's a player of a bygone era, do you know what I mean? I don't think he suits the modern game necessarily because he doesn't have enough um, versatility. He's a one-trick pony. Yeah, I actually agree with you, Fan, because in the year that he won the best and fairest, he, he really was an asset to the team. Um, he was. But, you know, the, and the style of game has changed. You've got 6-6-6 six, 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 and you've got the stand and all those type of things. It's just there's different rules and, uh, and the game is played differently and probably faster than it was in that particular stage. Uh, and uh, he, a little bit of a dinosaur that's been left behind. Well, you look at the rules. I mean, we've got 666 in now. We've got stand on the mark in now. The, 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 the play is generally faster. And yep. it doesn't suit Matt at all. Um, you know, he, he just doesn't have the wheels to be able to make ground enough to do it. 
when when the ball is in his area and on the ground in a contested situation, he's still good. He's still valuable. And I've said this year, I'm happy to have Matt as a cold face player. But when I see yeah. him get you know plus ten uh, uncontested possessions or fifteen as or seventeen as it was this week, that's a problem because he doesn't use the ball with any sort of damaging effect. Well, summed him up. And I think, you know, where we've got Sam Berry in the team, who is a little bit more dynamic, <clears throat> moves through the contest a little bit better, mo- tends to move the ball forward rather than back. Um, you know, if if we're looking at a future coalface player, um, then Sam's it. Now, whether it's not quite ready for Sam to take over that, and that's probably a reasonable call, I don't know. But... Um, we need to make sure that Matt Crouch is not the second or third string in the chain in terms of clearing the ball out of congestion because he doesn't use it. Well, no argument for me, Fane. Anyone else we want to cover before we finish this one up? Uh, Just one. Himmelberg. 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 Um, It was just a very ordinary game, wasn't it? And well, and his co-partner Gallant. I just thought we didn't get much out of those two. No, we didn't get anything fairness, out of those two. And in fairness, they probably weren't given much opportunity either, in the sense of the way the ball was delivered. But um, um, well, yeah, we just um, somebody's saying don't get off the Berg bus. I'm not, I'm not getting off the Berg bus. I'm just saying he. It, it won't be a memorable game that he, he was think, God, I like that game. I played well. Um, and the same with Gallant. Um, I think Gallant's definitely got to have a spell, I think, though. Uh, not yet, I don't think. I, I don't think yet. Um, I hear what you're saying, um, but I, I look, I don't think... If if I was a coach assessing the squad after after the weekend's game, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be worried about the defenders and I wouldn't be worried about the forwards. I would just be worried about the midfield because to me it started and finished with the midfield. You know, their ability to score was based on their ability to get clear out of congestion. Our ability our ability to score or lack of ability to score was because we got no clean entries. Oh, you know, no doubt about that. They were done no favours. I, I made that point. They made no favours, but um, they, you know, you'd expect that now and again we might just win one bad situation, but we didn't. Well, we did. Tex won a few bad situations, and therein lies the difference. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, but I'm talking about those two. Yeah, but, well, I mean, you're talking about Himmelberg, who's still coming on, and Gallant, who's played for five minutes. So I mm-hmm. wouldn't have those expectations out of those two at all just yet. Um, when Himmelberg, we're not talking about a top 10 pick. And you have a look at the top 10 picks running around at the moment that are tools, Mac, of a similar era. None of them are, none of them are doing that. You need 100 games into these big fellas. Joey Danaher is only just starting to become a reliable, strong, intelligent forward now. And how long has he been in the system? Well. He was injured for a long time in it, as part of it, too. It's amazing how, how he moved clubs and he just sort of lost his injuries, too. Um, but uh, I, I don't think Himmelberg could be put in the same category as Danaher. 
I don't know, not not at all. But that's what I'm saying. Himmelberg was taken down down the draft order too, mate. Don't forget. So mm. I mean, you get you get what you pay for, um, and you know, Ugal Hagen's not doing anything at the moment. Uh, Logan McDonald's not doing much. Riley Thilthorpe's in the twos. Um, these these lads take time, and I I'm not willing to judge Elliot on the game on the weekend purely because. It would have been a hell time trying to be a centre half forward playing or a tall forward playing in that rabble with that ball coming at you. Um, and same goes for Lockie Gallant. I don't know how you can have any expectations on on him um, considering the delivery into the forward lines. Um, you know, Tex with it with his experience was able to get off the chain a couple of times. Um, I think Tex had kicked two goals too and had a couple of score involvements. Let's just have a quick look. Um, you know, Tex had, yeah, what's that one, two, seven score involvements for the game. Um, so you're talking about experience there for Tex, you know, whereas Elliot and Lockie don't have that experience, and, is, and in Lockie's case, he doesn't have the physique to be able to compete. He, If you watch him in the air, he'll jump at anything, but in a pack situation, he just gets hustled and bustled out of the way. But you know, in fact, I'm not. I'm not really bagging them in the sense of uh, saying that they um, they were disgraceful or anything like that. It was just that you know the ball wasn't delivered particularly well down there, so uh, it would be no picnic down there. I agree with that. I'm just saying that I've been thinking for last week. I thought the Gallant wasn't quite where he should be at, and um, I'm not where saying he be at. He's only he's only like played four games or three games or something. Where I'm should he be at? I'm just comparing it to well, I'm just sort of saying comparing it to his other games where he, he took a few marks and um, and I don't think he's been quite uh, at that level. I'm only expecting him to be at the level that he's shown that he can be, and I don't think he has been at that uh, either last week or this week. Yeah, but we're talking about a kid, Macker. See, this is where I have a problem with what you're saying. Because we're talking about a kid. On the one hand, we don't want yo-yo up and down, in and out selections. And on the other hand, the kid has one bad game when we get destroyed in the midfield and you want to drop him. No. It's bloody ridiculous, Macca. Well, that's where we have different opinions, mate. No, 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 explain it. Because you don't want yo-yo selections and yet you want to give give a kid a, a block of time and yet you have one... He has one bad game where our midfield gets destroyed and you want to drop him. Absolutely no, I ridiculous. Want, I don't want to drop him forever. I just want him to drop back, have a couple of games there, get his confidence back and then bring him back in. How about our midfield play well and give some delivery and maybe he'll get some confidence back playing in the ones, mate? Well, look, that's, a, that's my opinion. You disagree with it? We'll leave it at that. I'm just glad you're How not a bloody fame? selector. Because that's the most well, ridiculous I, thing I've ever heard. I think I've never heard more ridiculous. No, I don't think it is. How can you bag a kid playing third tall when we get destroyed in the midfield? And we've just gone through the stats for the last half an hour that have indicated how much we got destroyed in the midfield. And you want to drop a third a kid playing third tall? Not because I think he's no good, because I think he can be good. I just well, then let him, him be good. Let him be good at the level. 
Like, no, no, what, I'm, what I'm saying at the moment, after uh, after the last couple of games, where he hasn't played as well as he did to the other couple of games, um, what I'm saying is it wouldn't hurt him to go back, have a couple, play well, and then come back in again. And Because, you know, like young players who haven't played uh, a lot of AFL, um, it's physically very demanding, it's mentally very demanding, and uh, I'm only thinking about him because uh, I think he's got a future. And, uh, and I'm thinking that sometimes it's better just to give them a little rest and then, then bring them back and give them a refresh. All right, we'll agree to disagree on that one. Um, and who knows, the coaches might also think it's, he's uh, ready for a rest. Personally, I think uh, it'd be bloody rough after the game to... Well, put it this way, if he's going to get dropped, we're going to make about 10 changes because there's about 10 blokes that need to be dropped before him, mate. Fair enough. That's, uh, we all have opinions. I know, they're like assholes. <laughs> I know, that's what it is. All right, well, let's finish that up. Um, it's fairly uh, obvious um, that... Um, uh, the first half we were done, we were chasing tail for the rest of the game, and on um, <clears throat> me, um, I, I don't think we we had the the skill or the the strength to be able to uh, work our way back into that game anyway. So uh, we needed a, a good start. We didn't get it, and that was the end of it. Basically, that's how I saw it. Yeah, I, I think. Uh, um, to be honest with you, I think the the, the lad that needs um, or the, the those that need a rest, Mac, in my opinion, uh, Ned McHenry, who who I would have given a rest irrespective. Uh, Lockie Scholl needs a rest. Um, I'd be looking at Matty Crouch going out um, and getting some more confidence in the twos. Uh, so there's three. Um, I'd be. Uh, I'm pretty pretty happy with uh, probably the only one in the in the back that I'm a little concerned about is Luke Brown, but I don't know whether I don't know whether uh, Will Hamill is good enough to come in for Luke Brown and for us to rely on Chase and, and Will. It's a possibility. And we also have to replace Smithers. Yep, Smith obviously. So there's a, there's a few there. Um, Hinge will obviously come in, I reckon, for Smithers. That would be oh, that would be that would be the obvious one. Uh, Harry Schoenberg should stay in the team, so that means that someone's going to have to come out. Um, I wish it was Matt Crouch. Um, it won't be. Yeah, I think you might be right, Mac. I don't think it will be either. Um, but watch who Matt, else comes watch, out? Watch Matt Crouch play every single bloody game this year. He will. Um, coach. Coach loves him. He'll, he'll play every game. Crowd did not love him. No, look, none of us love him, but um, Nick seems to. Uh, he'll play every game. Yeah, but, I would, it I, wouldn't surprise me, you know. I'll tell you where I can see real problems next week, though, is the fact in our back lines, in, uh, they've got um, the two guys that are very, very good up forward and high-marking players, we could be for a bit of a problem there. Well, absolutely, Mac. Um, Kuno and um, McKay, um, I yep. think I think um, 
Geordie isn't a bad matchup for McKay, although McKay's quite tall, and we saw Geordie have a little bit of a problem with um, two-meter Peter, um, you know, a similar tall player. But Billy on Kerno, if Kerno's fit, um, Kerno will run him around. He'll run him ragging. Kerno's a real gun. He really is a good oh, player. I love him. I love him. Uh, the fact that he got injured was a real... Um, was a real shame for him, but uh, he, he's fantastic. All right, we need to go through our B and Fs for the year. Yeah. Uh, Macca, you can go first this week. You won't make me go first. No, uh, you went first last week. I went first last week, and you need to because I've only got four players. <laughs> well, no, I've got six. But, um, look, hey, the order of players I've got here, and, and I'm not going to argue if anybody says I'm wrong. Because uh, again, it just becomes back to opinions and assholes. We've all got one. Uh, I go five for lead. Oh, you're wrong. Uh, I go four to Keith. Wrong. Three to three to Dawson. Wrong. Two to Walker. Wrong. Uh, I'll finish. Two for Walker. <laughs> one more. And and one for Dudo. Oh, they were all wrong, man. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I have none of those. <laughs> All right, Nikki, tell me your wrong ones. Well, I've only got four. <laughs> yeah, you can have five. That's the rule. And, and two, of, two of them didn't play out the game. Come on, then. Because I was going on, on purely the only ones who had effort um, was Berry. Yep. Smith. Well, hang on, is this your order? I think it's going to have to be because they're the ones I typed down that I can remember. Right. Come on, then. So Barry. I had Berry. Smith. Yeah. Jones. Yeah. And McHenry, and I'm bugging if I McHenry? know. McHenry? He Macca. was actually bloody trying. No, if you're at the ground, he was doing a lot of work. They were putting a lot of work into him to keep him out of the play, but he was actually, um, when he could get off, and the, he was actually trying to be a lot more proactive and moving things at the ground. Macca. You actually saw a lot from him. Macca, yeah, you know how everyone's got an opinion and there's no right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, Nikki, I don't know whether you were just listening or whether you fell off your chair because you were in shock, but uh, Nikki just gave McHenry two votes. Um, <laughs> um, Nikki, <laughs> I'm the one that's drinking wine at the moment, not you. <laughs> <laughs> Who was your one vote, Nick? Oh, I, no, I just remembered who else to put in here, so I'll swap him. McHenry goes to one, keys to two. No, card laid's a card played. Bad luck. <laughs> who have you got? Keys right. at two and McHenry at one. Yeah. Wowzers. Well, let's see what else All right, Dawson for mine. Got five. Keys got four. Um... Berry got three, Tex got two, and um, Laird got one. Well, they weren't that bloody different. No, they weren't that bloody different at all. Not at all. I mean, Nicky put in someone who played for three. And look, I I don't mind your Chase Jones call, Nick. I think Chase had a reasonable game. Um, yeah, and he but, was he was just he was one of the ones who was actually clean out of the defence. Nikki, you know, somebody said in the chat that you'd fail the, the, the concussion protocol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, no, I gave my laugh. <laughs> that's funny. Very good. Very good. All right. Uh, that's that. Uh, why don't we just finish off quickly with a bit of a cockwomble, Nick, shall we? Hang on. Nicky's cockwomble. There we go. All right. Surely, surely oh. Kane Corns with his stupid hair. <laughs> well, I've got a whole thing where a lot, I don't like to give him any attention because that's purely and simply what he is after. Mm-hmm. Specifically um, from our podcast. Yeah. Oh, totally. Like any attention is what he thrives on. Yeah, yeah. I just wonder whether I can do the reverse cock womble. In- oh, what's that? The wombling cock? <laughs> because I think the reaction from Justin Lepich to being shown what Kane Corns has done to his hair, which I think is an absolute brilliant comment, which was, well, now he looks like he's actually got a personality. <laughs> you know. which, I, which I thought was a very nice response to it. But I, I think, yeah, it's just... Sweetie, we see what you were trying to do. Yes, you got some attention. Yes, you're going to get a little bit of a cockwomble vote here, but otherwise, just run along and go away. Nikki, you're deteriorating. Well, what else happened this week? Come on. I think you are too, Mac. (laughs) From the beginning of the podcast to the end, I think you've deteriorated about three drinks. Three drinks in. (laughs) Well, that's possible. Yeah. Probably one behind. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but, uh, uh, did you have any else? Uh, any others, Mac? I, I, I was with you. I just saw Corns' head on the TV today with Leach, and I just thought, my God, I feel ill. Um, yeah, I thought Corns, he, he's, look, he, he's always a safe bet for the cop Womble. Right, yeah. I, I'm, I'm happy to. I'm happy to give it to Cornsy in the absence of anyone else. Now, uh, no yeah, one's no, put I don't think ha- it was anyone else. No. Uh, now, no one's put their hand up in the chat. Vardy Magic, Vardy bloody, he's he's like a bloody. I don't know what it is. Uh, he wants their NFL chat. And if he wants that, then he can come on and talk about it. Exactly. The, the, wanting SANFL chat is fine, except I didn't go to the SANFL and I didn't watch the SANFL. Um, if there's someone that went to the SANFL and wants to talk about it, or if there's someone that just wants to talk in general about Nikki's uh, two votes McHenry, which is... <laughs> I tell you what... Your two-vote McHenry is up there with McLeod not getting votes in the last round that cost him a Brownlow medal in whenever it was, 98. Yeah, yeah Nicky, oh, you yeah. just got... Just as bad. That's a 100%. 100%. But we've got a couple of minutes, so if anyone wants to have a chat about the SANFL or about anything that we've said or about um, anything else, um, now's your chance if you want to put in your best and fairest votes put them in the best and fairest channel so that I can find them um, otherwise they tend to get lost a little bit in the chat um, so please um, um, put them in the best and fairest channel uh, Vardy Magic is putting four videos on Twitter on the SANFL I don't I don't know what he's pleading laryngitis pleading laryngitis Vardy Magic I wonder what his excuse is going to be next week. Come on, come on board, Vardy Magic. Get up here and nah, talk, mate. He's soft. He's soft. He's, he, he, he's just soft. 
he knows a lot about football, um, and he could come up here and he could probably make us look stupid. <laughs> oh, dear. The lies are coming up with are amusing. <laughs> <clears throat> well, that, that's fair because I don't, I don't want to catch that. Right, so <laughs> We've got a cream for that. <laughs> I'm interested how you got it, mate. <laughs> I wouldn't be interested in how he got it. I really don't want to know. Uh, 1990 is saving the day. Come in, 1990. You can finish off this cast with a little bit of decorum. How are you, mate? <laughs> Good, thanks. How are you going? Good, mate. Hey, mate. Um, just want to say um, I didn't actually watch most of the game. I got to just before wow. time and realised that it wasn't going to do me any good watching the rest of it, so I stopped watching. Um, I did Medical watch condition. the um, today, and I think the most pleasing um, play I watched was Tarek Newchurch. Um, most of the game he looked dangerous, um, kicked a couple of goals and was involved with a few goal assists, and I, I think he's just about ready to come in. Well, that's a good that's a good bit of feedback because we haven't heard a lot of Tariq this season so far. Is he looking a little bit more um, consistent, nineteen ninety? Yeah, much more consistent, um, much more defensive um, tackling pressure um, noticeable this 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 year, um, and also just his general attack on the football is two hundred percent better than it was last year. Last year he was looking like a player that was destined to be delisted this year. Um, but his form this year has been pretty good, so keen to see him have a go. He's certainly got speed and he's got ability, um, but one of the big uh, knocks on him has been the, the lack of defence. Um, so uh, you said, I think you said that that's improved a lot? Ah, well, there was one punches today um, where he um, chased down five or had five opportunities to tackle a player, going from player to player, and eventually tackled someone and got a hold of the ball. So it was quite noticeable, um, his his intent to um, go from player to player. And do you think he is ready to play? I would have said at the start of the first game I watched this year, he wasn't quite ready, but um, watching today, I think he's ready. Interesting, because, I mean, it, it, there's no doubt that he's a guy with a lot of talent. Um, he's got pace, and uh, he actually is a good thinker with the ball. But, um, yeah, as I said, the knock on him always was the, the defensive side of it. And, uh, um, well, you know, and you've also got to take a lot of physical knots at AFL level. You probably don't get at the Sandfall level. He looks noticeably bigger through the shoulders. Right. Um, I think he's done a lot of work over the last six, eight weeks. Well, it's interesting. Um, I'm hoping that he, that uh, you're right and that he uh, does get a chance and that he that he really does go well. Who does he come in for? McHenry. Yeah, okay. Uh, the one I'm interested in is Worrell. Played well, but I don't know who he replaces. Where did he play, um, 1990? Third tall defender. Okay. Had a very good game. Yeah, he had really like, good game. Does he have like 27 touches or something or other? Or they had a lot of touches, it, I thought. Well, um, he seemed to be playing without a, an opponent. Um, he did what he did, what he, what he needed to do in terms of defending and marking. Um, I just yeah, played a bit of like a roaming defender-type role. 
Yeah. Um, I just, I feel like he's very similar to Tom Duday um, in his style of play. I just, yeah, not sure who he replaces. Mm, interesting one, that one. Um, well, cause because he can actually, he, he can actually play on a smaller forward. Um, as well, and he does the chop out not too bad because he's he's kind of that um, that kind of the height. But to me, he always looked a little bit like bigger in the body than Duday. Um, when I've kind of seen them play together, so he could it could he's be taller. interesting if yeah, it could be interesting if we bring him in, uh, just because of purely the the height factor we're going up against next week. Yeah, and 20, 27 possessions against South Adelaide off, off the off the back line is not bad. Is he no, is he any chance at all to replace that that Macca's, um just like complete whipping boy, Lucky Glant, um, and actually play him up forward? Oh, I wouldn't have thought so until he actually plays forward at SNFL level. Yeah, because we've got to get Grant out because Mac is like almost apoplectic. Thanks. I think Darcy Darcy's already <laughs> played quite well today. I think um, he could just about come in. He's been playing well for two or three weeks. How many goals did he get? I can't recall. Two. It was one, two. 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 Um, but it was just two. his general attacking the football, helping his teammates. Um, yeah, did his bit. What did you think of Fisher up forward? I uh, loved his marking. Um, I think his kicking's deplorable. Deplorable. Um, <laughs> he's, a great, he's a great mark. Um, I just, he, took about, he took about eight marks, didn't he? Great mark. I just I just don't have to see him ever being a forward if if he if he keeps kicking like he does. Just his just his ball his ball drop just doesn't work. Well, if you can't drop the ball straight, you won't kick it straight. Yeah, it just doesn't look good. Very yeah. good, mate. Thank you very much for coming on and speaking sense. Well, and... No, he does. He, he's he's very good value, 1990. He always yeah. does. Good night, guys. Thanks, mate. And uh, before anyone else comes on and makes us look like idiots because they make a lot more sense <laughs> like 1990, Macca, it's been fun. I just want to give one shout-out to J&M, who's been the sole chatter on YouTube tonight. <laughs> Just about anyway. <laughs> I think there's been, there's been one or two others, but by and large, it's been poor old JM. Um, I'm very sorry that I couldn't get the uh, Discord chat thing fixed. I'll make sure that's fixed the next week. I've got no idea what happened there. Um, but uh, thanks for soldiering on, mate. Much appreciated. In the meantime, don't forget we're going to be back on Tuesday night with Tuesday Night Live. If you want to support the podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash AFL Crowcast. Appreciate everyone who's listened in tonight on YouTube and on Spreaker and through Discord. So until Tuesday, Nikki, Maka, I bid you farewell. Yep. yep. Good night all. Good night all. Good night everyone.